want to thank all of our listeners for several years of dedicated and loyal listening throughout the Halo Talks 400 podcast completed to date. We're going to 1,000 by 2024. If you're so inclined, we'd love to have you go to iTunes for us, fill out a review so we can keep this podcast rolling globally. We are now on Chartable's top lists and moving up the charts. Also, if you want to educate yourself in the new year, please go to thehaloacademy.com. Take a look at what we've done with 150 executives in the Halo sector to get them smarter, get them prepared for capital raises, and also more winning. Thanks. Have a great season. Let's go. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of coming in from Grapevine, Texas, a CEO who I was fortunate enough to meet in person, and now we can just follow it up with video and audio like it should be. John Maris, solo brands, public company, taking over the outdoor space in leaps and bounds. Love to have you as part of the O and the Halo. Welcome to Halo Talks. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Great to be here. Awesome. So we first met at the at the Credit Suisse Halo Investment Summit. You know, you've done a great job of aggregating a number of different brands, ticker symbols, DTC, if anybody needs to know. Um, so talk about how you became the CEO of this business and, you know, what some of your other stepping stones kind of made it apparent to you that, hey, this is a good fit. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people mistake me as the founder. I, I didn't found the business. I joined in, in fall of, of 18. So I'm just coming up on my fourth year with with Solo. I'm a, I'm a growth guy, uh, just just in, in, in really kind of the, the nitty gritty of, of kind of where, where my upbringing came through from a, a career standpoint. Started out as a door-to-door salesman, worked my way up. They, they graduated me to a cubicle and gave me a phone and said I could actually Mazel dial dollars instead of having to knock on doors. And, <laughs> and then eventually gave me a couple of people to manage and kind of worked my way up through, through uh, the sales ranks. Eventually became a sales executive. Uh, but my background has, has been all in growth. So I've, I've worked for a variety of industries, all in high growth, mostly up to up to solo was all private equity backed um, type enterprises um, that were, you know, somewhere in the, the 10, 20 million of revenue um, and then growing them up to, you know, 100, 200 million of revenue. And uh, that got me through uh, the, the time frame. Uh, by which I met the the founders of Solo, they actually sent me a message on LinkedIn, nice. and uh, and said, "Hey, we heard we heard you're a growth guy. We heard you you know how to build sales teams. Could you come in and and uh, and tell us a little bit about that?" They didn't say anything about coming on and, and being the CEO of Solo or anything like that. Dude, they uh, hotbox you, man. They totally they totally did. So <laughs> I, I came in and uh, and answered questions for an hour, kind of asked some questions so I could be be a good answer of questions. Uh, for those guys. And I'd never heard of Solo when I came in. It was it was actually founded and headquartered in my hometown outside of Dallas and, and South Lake at the time. Oh, wow. And I never heard of it, but I grew up on a 50 acre ranch, you know, made fires as a kid and stuff. And I come so in. You didn't hear guys, about much anyway. These guys are talking about a smokeless <laughs> fire pit and they've, they've made kind of getting outside a, a, a really cool fad. And I'm like, man, this is awesome because this is the way I was raised. Right. right. And, um, we got about an hour into the conversation and, and the next thing I know, they're asking me, hey, you know, have you ever thought about being a CEO? And uh, that was that was exactly my aspiration. I really loved all aspects of business, not just the growth side. And 
And, uh, you know, fortunately they saw something in me that, uh, that, that invited them to, or, or incited them to invite me to come over as the CEO. And nine days later I, I started, came on as the seventh employee. So I was, I was very early on wow. in the, in the solo stove story. And then, uh, last year, uh, we ended up acquiring a few other outdoor brands and, uh, and, and so solo stove still exists, but we created the parent company, solo brands. And uh, and then brought Oru kayak, aisle paddle boards, and chubby shorts, the the men's apparel business, uh, into the fold. So now we have those four brands: Solo Stove, Oru, Isle, and Chubby's. So you know you worked at some pretty well established software companies. Obviously, that's a recurring revenue stream you're building on. You know, last month's ARR, and then you you jump into this as a seventh employee. You know, how much structure? Like, what are some of the things that you brought to the table that these guys? You know, after a couple of hours, offered you a job. What do you think? Was it like organization, you know, was it like growth without, you know, hitting a, a tree? You know, what, what are some of the things maybe that if I was a fly on the wall, would have been like, aha, like this guy's got the experience and, and can execute. Because sometimes I think people look at a, somebody's resume and don't really know, did this person really do that at that company or not? Or they were just right, there for totally. the ride. So I wasn't, I, my background wasn't in software. It was more in digital marketing and then in, in hard goods, a, a, a glass board manufacturing business, but, uh, but, but still kind of an ARR component in the marketing agency, right? So we had kind of monthly recurring charges coming through for our clients. Um, I think, I, you know, obviously, I, I don't want to speak too much for the founders, but if I go back to, to our meetings, our early meetings, and then them bring me on, there was there were really two things that I, I think attracted me to them. I think the first one was that I had a track record of building teams and managing teams. Mm-hmm. And I think Solo had gotten to a point where they recognized that it needed to scale. They didn't have as much interest in growing and managing large amounts of people. And I had done a lot of that. And so I think that that was number one. And I think number two is that they were very growth minded and, and I had a growth mindset. I wasn't scared of fast growth or big growth. Uh, I was, I was, I, I just always have been very fast paced. Um, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that, that part of it, kind of the organized chaos side of business. Yeah. And, uh, I think that they recognize kind of those two things and said, Hey, let's, let's give this guy a shot. That's great. So, uh, I should know the chronology of this, but I don't, but when you went public, how many brands were under that holding company at the time versus there are now? Post-beam yeah. Public. So we had just completed the final of the three transactions last year and then went public. So we we finished the Chubby's transaction on September 1st and then went public October 28th. So th- we had all four brands when we went public. Gotcha. So, you know, obviously running a seven person entrepreneurial team, you know, in, in your hometown, obviously you, you report to investors and you report to a board, you go public. And now it's like, hey, John, every 90 days we're doing a checkup. You know, we might be also doing a colonoscopy. So, like, just be prepared. And now, like, this is your new normal. Um, so, how did, what, what are some of the pros of going public? And then, what, not cons, but what are some of the, you know, compliance related things, the trade offs? Thank you. The yeah. trade offs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, even in this environment, I, I, I've absolutely loved it. I, I love, I love being under pressure. I love, I love the scrutiny. You know, I've always said, like, I, I just believe in ultra transparency. I love I, I love people being able to look under the covers and, and see what's going on. Got nothing, mm-hmm. no, no skeletons in the closet uh, per se. And right. and uh, and so that side of it for me has been super invigorating. It's different every day. 
Um, and because you know other people are looking at your business with a magnifying glass, it requires you to be sharp and it requires your team to be sharp. And in that regard, I've absolutely loved it. Um, you know, we're constantly forward thinking, thinking about where we're going to be and should be in the next three to five years, and then going out and executing on the plans to move in that direction. The downside, uh, and, and you kind of mentioned this actually, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a bit leaning into what you're already sensing that, that I might talk about here, but um, there's a psychological element to, to being a public company that's related to external factors that have nothing to do with the fundamentals of the business or execution that's just related to the fact that on a daily basis, your stock price is going up and going down just based on in a lot of in a lot of days, just stuff that's totally out of your control, right? Unrelated yeah. to earnings calls, unrelated to business performance, and totally related to how somebody wakes up that day and decides to trade your stock. And, right. uh, and what that creates is a scenario where not really so much at the executive team level, but sometimes as you work your way through the organization, uh, you know, you have employees that that look at it and it freaks them out, like. Oh my gosh! Like, what do what do I not know that the market knows about the company? Maybe we're not as good as I thought we were, and and so I find myself constantly saying to the team, and I've said this over and over again. I said, "Listen, the stock price goes up a hundred percent. We're not twice as good. Stock price goes down fifty percent. We're not half as good, right? We're the bottom line is is we're executing, and this is the same company it was yesterday as it is today. You kind of said that earlier." Yeah. And that's kind of the message with employees. So you're just kind of working through the psychology of it. I tell people all the time, I should have studied psychology and not business. As a public company CEO, I think I'd be better off with that skill set. But, uh, you know, I think our team has been resilient. And, and uh, that's just, you know, one of the nuances or the trade-offs, as, as we talked about, that comes along with being public. Yeah. Well, one point I just want to hit on, which, which you, you addressed, is, you know, I got, a short, I got short-term, you know, obligations or, you know, guidance and, and doing the right thing for you know, the company and the, and the income statement and the earnings per share and EBITDA, da, 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 da. I also got, hey, look, I got an R&D that's basically might be fueling my company's majority of the revenue in two years. So I'm not going to trade off the future for, for current. So obviously, again, this is more of like a psychology class, but maybe talk a little bit about your ability or how much time you spend educating people on the business and that innovation turns into profits, but it's not going to be here in 90 days because I got to go through a natural path of, of testing this, building it, engineering it, sourcing it. You know, so how do you kind of balance the two and how much time do you have to use communicating to your investors? Yeah, that's a good question. I probably spend um, 25-ish percent of my time or so, a quarter of my time, um, you know, either talking with analysts, talking with investors or potential investors answering questions, helping them really understand the story. I spend another, you know, 25% of my time. So collectively, probably half my time internally or externally talking about just who we are and what we're doing and what we're executing on. Right. Um, the, the reality is, is that, you know, I'm a big believer at, you know, and there's a lot of great CEOs, public company CEOs, especially that have come before me that have done this great that I've just, I'm really just repeating uh, what others have learned. But when you take great care of your customers and uh, and you do what's right by your customer, ultimately that generates returns. And when you generate returns, that's what that's doing right by your shareholders. And uh, you do right by your shareholders, and everybody wins, right? Yeah. 
And that's that's really a philosophy that that we operate under over here. We're we're very focused on the customer and taking great care of the customer and believe that 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 relationship with our customers is ultimately what drives uh, long term performance for the business. You know, every investor I talk to, (laughs) I don't think I've talked to one, whether whether in practice or not, they, they do this. I think every investor has told me we invest in the long term. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all over their website. You know, flexible capital also until I don't get paid my interest payments in 90 days. Then I'm not 100 percent. Right. <laughs> and, and until we until we get into this environment, then all of a sudden that the long term, the long term view goes out the window and I crap, yeah. I got to fire sell everything off. And, and so the reality <laughs> is, is, you know, I, I, everybody's out there doing what they're doing. But what's really important, I would say, you know, to the listeners out there that are that are thinking through, again, this this conversation point around pros and cons or trade-offs or whatever of being a public or a private company is the reality is, is that there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of psychology that goes into it, not just internally with our employees, but also with investors. And sometimes it doesn't really matter if they believe in your story, if what they're seeing on papers, if what the data shows, um, you know, trading volumes, the things totally unrelated to business right. performance could impact uh, you know, somebody's willingness or excitement around around participating and being a shareholder with your stock. And, you know, what we believe is in the long term, fundamentals will win out. Right. So be a great company, deliver good returns in, in terms of financials. And then eventually, you know, whether it's short term, long term, we talked about a little bit at the beginning of the call. But, you know, we're, we're just coming out of covid and we're rolling right into some other macro factors. And so it's like, how do you balance all the emotions and the in the uh, psychological impacts of all of those changes and, and just make sure you go deliver as a company. Yeah. I mean, one of the intriguing things, you know, obviously you run a four brand platform now and, you know, people are assuming that at some point you're going to continue to add, you know, to, to the tentacles, you know, in, in, in other areas. Um, just thinking through you as a, as a CEO, because there's a lot of entrepreneurs here that say, Hey, this is a great idea. Let's get on it now. Or, Hey, this acquisition book just came in. Like, let's put all of our resources into this. And it's it's a reactive opportunity. It's not strategically like I need to go buy a fitness accessory brand because XYZ is now going to leverage Dick's or REI or whoever my customer says, hey, I want you to buy this company because they got some cash flow issues. They got some reputation issues. You guys take care of us. Like, I need you to take pick up this brand for me basically. So how do you kind of calibrate? Um, look, long-term, yeah, that might look like a great deal, but like I've got to focus on the four brands I have. I can continue to do what I'm doing. I don't have to disrupt my entire accounting system, my ERP, my sales reps with educating them on another brand. So maybe talk about how you methodically think through growth opportunities. And also when something hits the transom and you're like, oh, this would be cool to own. How do you kind of pull the emotion back and say like, that's great in 2025. Yeah, I, I think the, the first thing is that you really have to figure out as a brand, you know, as you think about your three to five year vision, do you see the growth primarily coming from organic or inorganic growth, right? Inorganics, right. acquisitions, organics from what you have. And that's that's critical point number one, right? And it can be both, but it doesn't have to be, right? And And even if it is both, very rarely is it exactly 50-50, right? Yeah. Like maybe you feel a little more bullish on organic, not as bullish on inorganic. For us specifically, we're more bullish on the organic opportunity than the inorganic one. However, in this environment, 
we are not uh, oblivious to the fact that there are going to be some great opportunities for buys in the next 18 to 24 months. At least we believe there will be. We've already seen valuation expectations come down drastically. Mm -hmm. And so we also are going to be opportunistic, right? Um, we're not going to turn our, our, our cheek or, or, or our chin up at a, a great deal for a business that fits well into the portfolio. That being said, like you mentioned, it's really important to know who you are and what you're after. And for us, we are, call it 85% focused on organic growth, but opportunistic enough to leave a door open if the right opportunity came up in, in, in acquisition uh, to, to go and execute. For some businesses, that may be the wrong approach, right? You may be at the end of your cycle from an organic growth standpoint, and your only option for growth is to go acquire. Um, you know, bless their hearts. I, 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 uh, we're, we're not in that spot. And so yeah. you know, our focus is going to be more on the organic side. Yeah, so my dad used to run a coffee equipment company. So they made stoves, grills, uh, coffee machines called Ceaseware. I ran that for 38 years. He had the cleanest resume of anybody I, I, I ever met. Um, you know, he had some brand equity, but not like real brand equity, not like a Keurig machine or BUNN as it was the, was the market leader there. So there was an investor that came to me. We were pitching a, a deal a couple of months ago. And he's like, you know what? I, all this company has is a brand. Like, I don't get it. Like, the products are, and I'm like, hold on a second. They created a logo and they have a couple letters in a certain font, and people pay a premium for that. What do you mean they only have a brand? You know? So, how do you think about like certain brand building activities and saying, you know, how do I become a steward of four brands and maintain? Look, somebody can come to you and say, hey, Chubbies, that should be in these different product lines. Like, license it out, put it on, you know, whatever you can put it on. And, you know, just, just pimp it out. Like it's a, you know, a logo that doesn't matter. Right. So how do you, how do you internally kind of protect the brands that you buy and also say, Hey, look, great idea. We could make some money on that, but you you're going down, that's not who we are. I, I want people to hear from you of the power of the brand, solo brands. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's two things. I think the first one is that, you know, a really, really smart guy that uh, has, has mentored me a little bit over the last few months told me, you know, culture isn't what's on a piece of paper. Culture is what you live. Culture is what you do. That's real culture. Right. And um, and I, I totally believe that to be true. And the, the reality is, is that I believe that building a great brand centers around culture. What's your culture? Well, at Solo Brands, our culture is the customer. It's taking exceptional care of our customers. I don't believe per se, in, 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 in us going out as, as a company and building our brand. What I believe in is taking great care of our customers and letting our customers go and build our brand for That's us. interesting, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, you look at, you look at our referral rate, uh, for instance, for, for new business, over 40% of our new business that comes through is from word of mouth, is from referral. And uh, that, to me, is the biggest testament to brand building um, that, uh, that, that we could hope for. And that's what we continue to drive, uh, for, for the company as a whole is, is, um, take great care of our customers and let our customers go out and build the brand for us and, and, and really know who you are versus kind of the stuff you're talking about, which is sticking your logo anywhere and, and thinking, you know, just, just kind of get it, be, be everywhere. Um, because sometimes, you know, being, being everything means you, you end up becoming nothing, right? You right. can't be, you can't be everything to everyone. Yeah. So that's uh, that's been been our focus. So uh, a follow up question to that. You've got these brands and you've got all these influencers out there and, you know, 
NIL uh, money that could be in the collegiate market. You know, you, you have some, you have a lot of interesting ways to play this. You got celebrities that, you know, might show up outside, you know, cooking up some burgers or, you know, what is it called? Turduncan, I think it's like the three, three meats all in a row. I don't know how that's manufactured. I really hope it's not a real animal, but <laughs> whatever it is, it's cooked on a solo. That's fun. You can do it in the, in the backyard of your own home. Having said that, like, do you think about brand affinity programs with celebrities, with, you know, athletes, um, and how much, how much would that be a focus of yours? Or do you, have you had many bad experiences with like affiliating your brand with an individual? You know, most of our, our brand affiliations happen organically, um, not intentionally. So we'll have, you know, a celeb, you know, post on their social media, they're sitting around a solo, you I know, gotcha. drinking a beer with a friend or, or, you know, playing a guitar and, and hanging out or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, same with Chubby's, you know, we'll just, we'll see a sighting, you know, an NFL press, press conference post game and, you know, a player will be wearing a chubby shirt, you know, yeah, and, uh, right. and we're like, Oh man, that's freaking cool. You know? Um, and, and then, and then, you know, generally our approach is uh, to potentially then try to, to lean into that. Right. So we might reach out to that athlete or we might reach out to that celebrity and say, Hey, we saw, you know, we saw that you sitting around a solo or you're wearing a chubby shirt you know, we should do something together. And, gotcha. uh, and so we've done some stuff like that. I wouldn't say that we've had any, any bad experiences to, to us. You know, you either succeed or learn, there is no fail. So the ones that haven't gone great, you know, we learn from them, try to figure out why, why they didn't go right. right and then, and then, and then adjust or adapt. Um, but we do believe that influencers and social commerce is, is going to continue to be a really, really important um, avenue or channel for great brands to operate through. And, uh, and we intend to lean into it. Um, I, and I think we have a, a suite of products that are easily shareable on social. They're, they're, they, they make people want to, you know, post about them. They make people smile. So they're just, they're easy products to run through the influencer or affiliate type yeah. channels. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to lean into that. Yeah. So, so in closing here, um, you know, two questions. One, if you were to talk to your, your, your 25 year old self and say, Hey, this is what you're about to bark on. What kind of advice would you have given, you know, the younger Maris? Gosh. Um, you know, probably just don't be, don't be scared of what, uh, of what outsiders are thinking, you know, don't, don't worry about, don't, don't make short-sighted decisions because you're worried about what people are thinking that are outside of the organization. You know, just, just put your game plan together and go execute, uh, you know, time and time again, we've proven out that, that when we do that and we, and we focus on that, you know, we succeed and, and, and we, we get stuff done. And uh, I think that that would be, that, that would probably be the best piece of advice I'd give myself. Awesome. All right. That's great. Well, uh, I'm glad we met in person. We'll post everything up on the, uh, on our, our, our site and the feed, we'll have a nice caricature of yourself. You could use it with your uh, equity analyst as a joke if you want, um, saying this is the real me. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'd love to, to figure out ways to help get cross-promotional products of yours in and around the Health Club channel and the studios uh, because these are all your, your demos. Uh, are yeah, that'd be awesome. So, that'd, that'd be uh, awesome. That's we, great. Just launched, uh, we just launched the Mesa, this, the tabletop fire pit which really expands our TAM into people in more urban settings, even being able to use the product, but it's just a small, 
um, kind of our version of the Yeti tumbler, right? For, okay. for a small mini fire pit and really cool product that inspires. In fact, our, our kind of new tagline that we're leaning into at Solo Stove is, is just get outdoors, period. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, and so we think about Halo and we think about this, you know, health, active lifestyle, outdoor focus, um, th- this this outdoor side of just how do you facilitate getting people outside, like yep. just get outside. Um, that that product, I think, really nails it. And it's it's seen some really early, you know, early successes that we're excited about. So um, anyway, great. All right, we'll uh, we'll get we'll pick those up, test it ourselves, and then tell everybody we know. How's that? Beautiful. Love All right, it, man. cool. All right, man. Great catching up with you. Thanks for the words of wisdom. Continued success and staying focused on on the big opportunity and uh, you know the guardrails that we talked about. I think people need to fully understand that you know you're running a business, you're also running you know assets under management, basically same time yeah so. absolutely and keep keep me posted on, on stuff halo's doing you know we'd love to we'd love to stay close to you guys and and, and stay involved with the stuff you guys are, are doing to, to keep the evangelizing you know what what halo is all about awesome all right we'll do that great yeah, to man. see you man thanks for your yeah, time you take care buddy